You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This week's podcast is going to focus on taking a slight look back at the offseason for each team. I am Allison Butter from MLB.com, and we are going to talk to Anthony DeComo right now about the New York Mets. Um, so, Anthony, I, you know, really, I, I have to ask you the obvious question because the first thing is, like, what was their most impact, impactful signing? Obviously, we know what that was. Um, but go ahead and tell us uh, who the Mets were targeting and hoping to get and got in the end. Well, it's a guy not a lot of people have heard about. His name is Yoannis, <laughs> I think, Cespedes. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's actually it's really interesting when you look back at the Mets offseason because it was an offseason full of hand-wringing and the fan base uh, not revolting but maybe coming close to that stage because they really weren't happy with anything. It moves to get better. Um, no one seemed to think it was enough. No one seemed to think it was enough. And then all of a sudden they sign you NSS for this, the pipe dream that everyone wanted. And now you look at them on paper and they're world series favorites and everything is peachy keen. And it's just, it's a total 180 from where the team was before Cespedes came back. So, um, on the field, on paper, he just makes everything around him better. Um, if the Mets were going to camp right now and hadn't signed him and were just going with what they had before that, you would be reading story after story in every newspaper about how did this team do enough? Is this team good enough? Are they worse from the team? Are they worse than the team that made the playoffs and made the World Series last year? Now, all the storylines are going to be how good is this team? Can they repeat? Um, can they get back to the World Series? Can they win it this time? The sky is the limit, and so on and so forth. One guy did all of that. One guy in reputation alone, um, and it's a well-deserved reputation because he's obviously a great player, um, but just the mood around the team is a total 180 since they signed this guy, and we'll see how it plays on the field. Yeah, so, I mean, there's the devil's advocate would say, like, it's dangerous for a team coming off of a World Series appearance to not, not make that many changes, just try to stick with the same players that never worked out the year after. Um, and, you know, of course, like you say, I mean, we're kind of chuckling at just like the, the reactions of, of fans and media for whatever. I mean, you're immediately looking at something to be mad at. Um, you know, other people say, well, the Mets, they're not going to, they don't make any moves. Um, and they're keeping for, you know, fiscal reasons and this and that. But, I mean, when you, when you break down, like, some of the, like, the moves that they did make besides the Cespedes, I mean, it's really not too bad. I mean, you have to like this Neil Walker deal, right? I mean, that's a legitimate infielder that can bring kind of a veteran presence. So, I mean, how much tweaking beyond that was really needed? Yeah, I mean, I think that, the, well, and that's the thing, is the moves that they made beyond Cespedes, I, I think across the board were pretty good ones. Um, it's just none of them were splashy. Um, you mentioned Neil Walker. I mean, I was reading uh, Jim Duquette's column on MLB.com just the other day, and he ranked it one of the five best deals in the game this winter. Um, and it's a sneaky good one because you get better offensively and defensively at second base, and you essentially gave up a guy that you weren't going to use in John Neese uh, to get him. So it was um, that was a really good deal for them. I think they got a lot better in the bullpen, at least more consistent. Um, they have that veteran presence now with Antonio Bastardo. Um, Jerry Blevins is coming back. And, um, you know, they, they retained Addison Reed. So those three guys in front of Jiris Familia, you have to think, even if 
you know, if it doesn't all work out like you want, you have to think one or two of those guys are going to be pretty good, and, and you'll have a pretty solid back end of the bullpen, um, which they didn't always have at times last year and, and in previous years. And then the other thing is you've got these starting pitchers now who are essentially going to be no longer we're going to be talking about innings limits, anything like that. They're all a year older. They're all a year more mature. They all are a year closer to essentially um, being in their primes. I would say Jacob DeGrom is smack in the middle of his prime now. You, right now. You've got Matt Harvey, who is an extra year removed from surgery, and you have to think that um, if nothing else, he can be more consistent. You've got Noah Syndergaard, who will be entering his first full season, and that's always a good thing for pitchers as they go along. Uh, same with Stephen Matt. So uh, there's a reason to think these guys can be incrementally better. And then when you look at the bullpen being better than it was at this time last year, the lineup being worlds better than it was at this time last year, and then you take a look at the, at the division around them um, with two teams essentially in rebuilding mode, uh, one team in the Marlins that you know, wants to compete, but who knows, it didn't work for them last year. And then one other team in the Nationals that the Mets sort of had their way with last year. It's hard to argue against the Mets as the division favorite right now, uh, which is a place that this team hasn't uh, been in in a long, long time. So um, excitement all around, and, and there's reason for it. So I guess the only really like question as far as like, huge, gigantic questions is just how many maybe games that David Wright can play. Um, is that going to be something that everyone's going to have their eyes on um, in spring training and as the season goes on is just, uh, keeping track of what's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, this is, like I said, everything's sort of peachy around Mets camp right now. Um, there are no legitimate position battles. You're looking at maybe one bench spot up for grabs. You're looking at maybe one or two spots at the back of the bullpen. But um, So really the things we're going to be concentrating on spring training are, A, David Wright, how does this guy look in what should be his first full year um, back from that spinal stenosis diagnosis? Is he the same player? Um, can he hit for power offensively? Can he be a good fielder defensively, which we didn't really see from him after he came back? Um, so just what's David Wright going to look like? Because this guy's still got five years left on that deal that he signed, and the Mets really need him to produce for them. Um, and two's going to be the health of the pitching staff. Um, pitching is always hard to keep healthy. The Mets have, uh, if not the best staff in the game right now, one of the best. Um, but they're not infallible, and a big injury to one of their top guys could change things. Um, so it's going to be a matter for the Mets of, of what they do in spring training. They're going to be very cautious with a lot of these guys who are coming off of their highest workloads of their careers. Um, they're going to push these guys back. You're not going to see Matt Harvey or Noah Syndergaard or Jacob deGrom in those first round of Grapefruit League games. You might not see them until mid-March, really, um, just because the Mets are going to be so cautious with them and do everything they can to keep these guys healthy with everything they did to their offense, to their bullpen. The rotation is still their bread and butter. Um, it's going to be the reason they make it or not this year. So it's, that's, that to me is a big storyline coming to spring training, what they do and how these guys look coming off those workloads. Are they going to be as dynamic? Are they going to continue to be the best staff in the game? Yeah, because that has to be worrisome. It's nothing that anybody's ever going to verbalize. But the extra innings, I mean, this World Series went to, what, November 2nd? Um, and so, I mean, there's like I know Tom Verducci has spent a lot of time just like studying what happens to a pitcher who you know pitches deep into October, what happens in the following season. So in the back of everyone's mind, I guess that's got to be concerning. No matter, and not just with Matt Harvey, but just like with everybody, because of how hard they throw and because of how long they pitched last year. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, for for two reasons. One is is the injury risk, and probably the guy you worry about most is Noah Syndergaard because he's the only one of those young pitchers who hasn't had Tommy John surgery. And um, I've mentioned this in the past, and and you know, Mets fans uh, sort of go ooh and start booing when you mention Noah Syndergaard's name and Tommy John surgery in the same sentence. And I'm <laughs> certainly not saying that that it's a given, but it has to be in the back of your mind that you got to take care of this guy because you never know. Um, Matt Harvey coming off surgery. I mean, it was a big story last year, the amount of innings that he threw. And now how is he going to bounce back from that? Is it going to continue to be that smooth sailing linear progression back from Tommy John surgery or all those innings piled up going to do something, um, you know, to hurt him. And we're not even talking necessarily about injuries with these guys. We're talking about effectiveness. Will they be as dynamic? We saw down the stretch, and in the playoffs with Jacob DeGrom last year, he was fatigued. He was quite obviously fatigued to everyone who was watching him. And, and when they backed off him, when they had the luxury of doing so at the end of September and then again uh, between rounds of the playoffs, and he came back with extra rest, he looked completely dynamic and like a completely different guy. Um, so is coming off that workload this offseason going to be long enough for him to sustain that for a full six-month season? And if the Mets have their ways much longer than six months, um, these are all questions that I don't have the answer to, that the Mets don't have the answer to, that the pitchers themselves don't have the answer to. Uh, but we're just going to have to report to camp like everyone else and see how these guys are throwing and see how they look against live hitting when they start facing it again. And something, honestly, we're going to be monitoring for the bulk of the summer as we go through. Will these guys be the same in April as they are in June and July and August and September? Um, we don't know. But the Mets need them to be, so it's uh, it's definitely something to watch as we go forward here. Do you think the Mets have any kind of chip on their shoulder just because, like, even even after, like, winning the pennant, playing in the World Series, people are still like, well, the Nationals, they cratered. They were such a disaster. Matt Williams, you know, he was responsible for what was going on, and they were just like this big dysfunctional, horrendous family with guys beating each other up and and, well, the Nationals will be back, you know, next year. Because now, you know, with Dusty Baker, everything will write itself. Do you think that the, the Mets have, I don't know, any kind of chip on their shoulder? Like, hey, you know, actually, it was because we were the better team. Um, does that have any kind of residual effects leading into the next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been worse if, if the Mets, another thing that the Cespedes signing changed. Because um, without Cespedes, I think the Mets would have gone into the into the season this year with most major publications and Critics and critics and um, pundits and everyone else sort of saying it might be the Nationals division to lose again. But um, I think the Mets, um, I don't think they need a lot of motivation against the Nationals. I think uh, they weren't in love with some of the things Bryce Harper said down the stretch last year when, um, you know, even when the Mets were in first place and Bryce Harper was still saying that uh, he's not worried and that the Nationals were essentially the team to beat and so on and so forth. Um, so I, I think the Mets took a lot of satisfaction in, in taking down the Nationals, a team that really just crushed them two years ago and, and um, they have had issues with over the years. I think a lot of people look at the Nationals now and see the guys that they've already lost and the guys that are going to be up in the coming years, whether it's Jordan Zimmerman leaving, Doug Fister is gone, and now we're going to have Strasburg up at the end of this year, and um, Jason Worth only has a couple of years left. So uh, I think the Nationals are the ones that kind of need to have the chip on their shoulder, really, because their window appears to be closing while the Mets seem to be just at the beginning of theirs. Um, and that's not saying that either team can't win because they're both talented, and I think they both certainly can if things break their way this year. But uh, I would say there's more pressure on the 
Nationals at this point to uh, win while they can and on the Mets to keep it going. Oh, it's going to be another fascinating summer. I can sense it already. So, Anthony, thank you so much. I'll catch up with you in Fort St. Lucie. Appreciate it. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.